0: So, uh, Lord Jesus, again, thank you for the church. Thank you for the chance to come together and dig into your Word. Thank you for the time of fellowship. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you'd be with anybody here today that's coming in with uh, distractions or burdens or or anything that's that's weighing us down, that you would uh, lift those and help us to be able to listen to what you have to say to us. Uh, thank you for your Word, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so you can uh, pull up that... First slide, so if you recognize this is King Tut's mask. We're not going to get into the uh, Egyptian theology this morning, but this is a, a different example. okay so this is this is like one of those iconic images of uh, like the crown jewel of the Egyptian Museum. and when you're in the Egyptian Museum, it's kind of like upstairs in this back room uh, and and you can walk right up to it. In, in 2014, they decided the lighting wasn't good enough in there. So they decided to try to, to fix that. And as they were fixing it, uh, a, a lady, you know, was picking up the mask to move it and dropped it. Right. I like, oops, right? The beard broke off. And, and so instead of getting a, you know, an expert um, art restoration person in there, uh, some, some dude, some, some stories say it's her husband, you got some epoxy, and uh, you can do the next slide. So I don't know if you know about epoxy, but it's kind of a hardcore glue, and kinda of tends to smear. So they just like threw some epoxy on there, jammed it on, and called it good. And then and then realized that there was like glue stuck on the chin and stuff, and so they were scraping it off. So now there's scrapes on the mask. But the point of the story is, it, it's a it was a very half-hearted. Restoration effort, right? Like, they didn't show, like, this love or respect for the, the history or the value of it. They just kind of had a half hearted effort of slamming it on. Uh, so, go to the next slide. So, I don't know if you've seen this picture before. This is a another attempt at art restoration. So, the image on the left was a, 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 this picture in this uh, cathedral in Spain. They decided it needed to be restored because it was getting a little dull, and so somebody said, oh, I can do that, and they volunteered, and that's the image on the right. And so I don't know if this was so much half-hearted, I'm not going to judge the person's heart that they just didn't really care, as much as it is a lack of humility, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that one speaks for itself. So one more, you can go to the next slide. So this was a, uh, a statue of Mary and baby Jesus there, and baby Jesus' head was stolen. So again, you had somebody volunteering like, "Oh, I can restore that, good as new, no problem." <laughs> and so they did, and you know that's that's kind of what they did there. And again, you know maybe they maybe their heart was all in it, but certainly they lacked humility, thinking that that would bring it back. That one was so bad, the people who stole it actually returned the head. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, you can, done with those slides. All right, so what does that have to do with Genesis chapter 4, right? Well, there's going to be two things that we're going to keep coming back to, which is we're going to see in the legacy of Cain this half-heartedness, right? This, this not true devotion and love of God, but a half-hearted following of God. And we're also going to see in him a lack of humility. And, and so those two things are going to be things that we just keep coming back to. So there's uh, you know, two sides of Cain's legacy. right? We see his, uh, his descendants, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, and then the spiritual uh, side. Okay? As far as his descendants, you know, we don't know if Cain's line completely died out in the flood um, or, or if there's still some of Cain in us today. Uh, at the very least, he's many times over great uncle to all of us, uh, but you know, we, we don't know the full genealogies of uh, Noah's son's wives, so we don't know. You know there may be still uh, some Cain floating around in us, um, but the spiritual legacy we certainly see, right? Cain was the firstborn person, and so he's the first person born with a sin nature, and that sin nature is very much alive and well in all of us today. Uh, so, qu- quick recap on where we're at in Genesis, right? So, you start out, everything's created, uh, then part of that is people being created, and then people fall, and then Cain and Abel are born. And, you know, right, Cain was the first birth, first human birth, right? They may have seen animals giving birth before, but it was the first human birth, which is amazing, also probably terrifying. Uh and then with that first birth, remember that during the fall, the Lord had just told the serpent that Eve's offspring would crush the head of the serpent. Okay, so you think about it, like when Cain was born, it would have been reasonable for them to think, like, this is the one. Like, all right, now I have an offspring. He's going to go crush the head of the serpent, and we can get back to everything being good, right? They probably had no idea that it was going to take thousands of years for, for Jesus to come. and and be the one to fulfill that. Okay, so then you have Cain and Abel bringing offerings. And we're told that Cain brings the first offering, and then Abel brings an offering after that that's accepted. And you think, well, maybe it's like the first image or the first instance we see of one-upmanship. Abel just saw Cain's offering and one-upped it. But no. Uh, Brian did a really good job describing... Um, last week, that the the prescriptions for sacrifice were really well understood. Right, that that even though King brought first fruits, and and the and first fruits are a legitimate sacrifice, but they are even the the uh, the festival of first fruits includes animal sacrifice. So, so Brian did a good job last week describing how that was all uh, understood, and and so Abel's offering was accepted, and Cain's was not, and. You know, it's not about the the amount of what Cain, Cain brought, right? Obviously, God doesn't need our offerings; He's not sitting there like hungry and waiting for something. Uh, but but the offering is very much about you know act of devotion and and humility and um, trust on our part to to bring it to God. Hebrews 11:4 tells us that it was by faith that Abel brought the better offering. So it's, you know somehow some way, we're not giving a lot of detail, but Cain's heart just obviously wasn't in it. Um, and, and so he was exposed, right? And, and we don't know exactly why his heart wasn't in it. You know, he may have been resentful, right, that his parents, Adam and Eve, were kicked out of the garden. We don't know. But, uh, you know, Cain had this very human heart, and our human hearts, when we're exposed for less we ought to be, End up being bitter about it and angry instead of trying to improve. Um, right? Th- think back to school, right? When if you're in a class, that's especially when that's set graded by a curve, and someone's setting the curve. Most people aren't encouraged by that to try harder. Most people are just mad at the person setting the curve, right? Or uh, and, and that's just how people are. Um, and so you know, there's Probably a lot of reasons in here, but Cain uh, lets that resentment and bitterness get the best of him, and he kills Abel simply because Abel had a better standing before God. Okay, so so right here, in the first person born after Adam and Eve, we have the first murder, and uh, went downhill quick. Uh, so, and then just like Adam and Eve, after they sinned, right, God talked to them about what happened and, and gave them a chance to repent. And Cain's given a chance to repent. And, you know, you, it's not like God didn't know what was happening. But, it, you know, we've done this with our kids. Like We already know what you did. You know, yeah. Tell us what happened. And, and he's giving them this chance to, to come clean. Because confession itself is important, right? It's, it's a lot more, it's about a lot more than just sharing some facts and sharing information. It's, it's a much more of a heart issue. Uh, but Cain does not take that chance to confess, to repent, and so you see this curse on Cain, and and the curse is kind of the, the same curse that uh, Adam and Eve got, but just escalated, right? The the ground would be cursed, and now for Cain, it would be even more difficult. Uh, he, Cain, uh, Adam and Eve were removed from the garden. Now Cain is removed even from there and, and made to be a restless wanderer, and so that, that restless wandering aspect itself is is uh, another thing that we just see throughout human history, right? This this wandering, this lack of, of satisfaction in life. Um, you see it in the Bible, right? You have Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, who was, um, you know, had all the money, all the power, all the um, wisdom, all the respect, all the other things you could ever... Uh, he could have ever, ever wanted, and just wasn't wasn't satisfied with it, right? Um, John D. Rockefeller, okay, he was the first American billionaire, once the richest man in the world, and a reporter asked him, you know, how much money is enough, and he said, just a little bit more, right? We, people are just never really satisfied, uh, even on the spiritual side. Luke 11:24 talks about how uh, the demons leave a person, and they, they go around seeking rest and they can't find any, right? So this lack of rest is just the, this theme from the same nature in us. And, um, you know, contrast that with the Sabbath. Right? We're called to, to enjoy the Sabbath, to rest in God, which is a, an act of rest and, and satisfaction of what He's done for us. And we're called to be joyful and content in all circumstances, which is very different from, from restless wandering. Cain okay, and the and the fact is that this life outside of god right life outside of what God has for us uh demanding things on our own terms is always going to lead um to restlessness okay so in Cain we have this um pretty rough legacy right and and really it's the legacy that we see in the world around us with the restlessness with with the sin and and depravity and uh you know, Cain, Cain being the firstborn person, he was the first person to do a lot of things, right? He was the first person ever raised by parents. Um, he was the first uh, first person born with a sin nature, uh, first person uh, ever have a belly button. You know, think about that. Maybe that freaked him out and he developed on phallophobia, which is the fear of belly buttons. So a real thing. Um, (laughs) I mean, if you're the only one with one, it might be weird. Um, uh, So, but, you know, being the first person raised by human parents, and, you know, there's some people who think that Cain and Abel might be twins, so, you know, maybe. Uh, But being first-time parents, you live and learn, right? Uh, Mistakes are made. Like, Brennan, you've turned out great, but we made some mistakes. <laughs> um, how many of you are oldest children here? All right, it's okay. Like, your parents were learning. Uh, I was third. Um, so, let's, with that, let's, uh, let's dig in. <laughs> no, I offended a bunch of people. Okay. Uh, so, open our Bibles up to Genesis chapter 4. And we're in verse 13. Uh, So we'll go through verse by verse, digging into it, and then we'll wrap up with the bigger picture. Okay, so Genesis 4.13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Okay, so notice right here, he's not saying my my sin is greater than I can bear, right? My consequences are greater than I can bear. So that reveals a lot about where his heart is at. Uh, So verse 14, behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Okay, so this is one of those uh, weird sections that, uh, you know, sometimes you read it and you're like, well, who is he worried about, right? Right? You know, for one, Adam and Eve did had a lot more kids than are listed in the Bible, and and we don't know how old Cain was when this went down. But uh, it's quite possible this mark wasn't meant. He wasn't worried about people, right? Uh, another place we see a, a mark like this is Ezekiel chapter nine, where it's it's placed on people by angels for angels. Okay, so so it's you know quite possible that this mark. Was was, it could have been for people, could have been uh, for things other than people. Uh, we don't really know. Uh, you know, one thing is interesting is, is that uh, you know you see this mark on Cain and he's protected, and you see the same similar thing with Israel, right? Is Israel also killed the righteous one, right? They rejected Jesus and killed him, but but they were marked. And so they were protected and, and survived still as a nation today, right? Despite, you know, Haman trying to kill them off, Hitler trying to kill them off, many other countries that want to see them wiped off facing the earth, but they're marked and protected. And so they still exist just like we see it with Cain. Um, another thing we see here is common grace, right? This idea that everyone, everyone in the world, whether we accept God or not, Still benefits from common grace. Still benefits from you know the way he created the world. That he's still providing um, rain for the righteous and unrighteous. Things like that. And so and so Cain is protected. And, and sometimes we wonder like why right? Why was Cain protected? And really, it's God showed incredible mercy and grace, and and gave a chance uh, Cain, gave Cain a chance to repent. And we don't know if he end up repenting or not. Um, but, you know, when we when we look at that and think, well, why did Cain, you know, why was he protected? And we can ask the same question about us. Like, right, why did Jesus say save us while we were still his enemies? You know, it's just, it's the same mercy and grace. Okay, so then uh, verse 16. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Okay, so that... Lion of Nod kind of just means wandering, so I don't know if they don't know if that was like an actual place he went to or if it was just saying that he was wandering. Uh, Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the same name of his son, Enoch. Okay, so who did Cain marry? Well, it was either a sister or a niece or a great niece. Um, And that's what happens when you're. A close relative of everyone who's on earth, right <laughs> um, that's just how it works. Uh, the genetics are also pure at that point, so you know it was just, it was just a different different world, different setup. Uh, again, you know not all of Adam and Eve's kids are listed in the Bible, so we don't know how that went down, how, who he married. We don't know how old he was when this happened. you know he could have been a hundred years plus uh, you know this is when people were living to be nine hundred. Um, so uh, one other thing there is that his son Enoch is not the Enoch you think of when you hear Enoch. Okay, there's another Enoch. And there's several names in the line of Cain and the line of Seth that are very similar, uh, it's several repeats. So if you want to pull up that slide, so it says, uh, verse 18, to Enoch was born Arad, Arad fathered Mahujio, Mahujio fathered Methusio, Methusio fathered Lamech. Okay, so you have the line of Cain and the line of Seth, and Joel's going to be going into the line from Adam uh, to Noah next week, which has a lot of fascinating things in there. But for now, mostly pointing out, like, you have Enoch in both of them, you have uh, Lamech in both of them, uh, you know, Seth's Lamech is the father of Noah, uh, Cain's Lamech we'll get into in a second, uh, you know, Mahalalel and Methuselah sound pretty close to Mahujiel and Matushellel, a lot of Matushs, uh, and I don't. Why all the names are so similar? I don't know. Uh, maybe names were just trendy like they are now. And uh, so, so anyway, we don't really ever see much. We don't see anything else about the line of Cain in Scripture. So, um, you know, the, the another interesting thing is a couple of names like smitten by God and who is of God. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that, that who, is, who is of God question in a little bit. Um, but you can take that slide down. Okay, so verse 19. Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Okay, so the line of Cain, right? Not only was Cain the first murderer, this is also in his lineage the first time we ever see polygamy in the Bible. And his two wives' names mean ornament and shade. So, you know, like shady trophy wives or something, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the the original plan was that the two shall become one, right? And, and you see that in Scripture, you see Jesus confirm that. The plan was never like the three shall become one, or the four, or the hundred. Uh, but, uh, you know, you see that plan getting messed up pretty quickly, and uh, you end up seeing polygamy a lot in the Bible, right? Even a lot in Genesis as, we'll, as we finish going through Genesis, we'll see. And it never really seems to go well, right? Uh, you, right? You see Abraham, where he didn't necessarily marry the second, but, you know, had a child by a second woman, and and then, you know, Jacob became Israel, which is where the those 12 tribes come from, right, those 12 tribes come from four different women, so there's polygamy right there. Uh, David and Solomon were notorious in this regard. Uh, Solomon, we're told that, like, all those wives are what um, pulled his heart away from God, so, right, even though you, we see it in Scripture, we see God using, uh, using these broken people, well, broken people is all, all he ever uses. Um, so, you know, just to point out, like, the first time we see polygamy is, is not in a, in a great light. So, verse 20. Ada bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah also bore Tuolkane. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tuolkane was Nama. Okay, so, again, with his... His kids, you have some very similar names. Um, I mean, yelling at his kids must have been difficult. Uh, you get my kids' names confused, and they're not so similar. Um, but they, they have different um, kind of lines, right? So, J- Jabal means stream of water, and he kind of, his people turn into nomads. Jubal just means stream. I think stream would be an okay name unless your brother was named stream of water. He'd be like, well, if you stream of water, what are you stream of? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, those people became magi- musicians. And then Tubal Cain, which is uh, thou sh- we will be brought of Cain, and so he works with bronze and iron. So uh, the traditional understanding of that is like he may have been making some tools, but this is also the first time you see like people making weapons with bronze and iron. Was the line of Cain. And then the sister of Tubal Cain was named. Uh, loveliness. Uh, Verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. Okay, so several things here, right? One is death was not part of the original design, Okay, we're told the wages of sin is death. You know, Adam and Eve we were told that um, the sin would bring death. And then Adam and Eve had, then had to experience um, the, the death of their son, right? Like that's a pretty tragic first death. Um, and you think about how the firstborn person, the first human-born person, born the traditional way, was a murderer, like killed, killed his brother Abel. And contrast that to, to God's only son, right? Jesus, who laid down his life willingly, right? So the firstborn of people takes life, firstborn of God gives us life by laying his down. And, and so there's uh, the first three deaths that are, re- are recorded in the Bible are these. So the first death is Abel, who was killed by murder. The second death, Recorded is this guy that Lamech kills, also by murder. Okay, and then the third death we see is actually Adam dying, uh, the first recorded natural death. And so, you know, when we see Adam and Eve warned of, of, of sin bringing death, and then you see the, the first two deaths are murder, like that's a pretty direct result of sin, right? And then you have uh, Lamech murdering someone, and bragging about it. So, you know, does that sound familiar in our, in our culture today? Maybe not the m- breaking of murder, but just the way that the, the culture around us is more and more celebrating sin and depravity and acting like it's a good thing. And, and we see, you know, good will be called um, bad and wrong will be called right. And, and you see, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? It, it's been happening since the beginning. And so Lamech is wounded, and then he responds with with killing, and it, which is a serious escalation, right? I mean, the eye, eye for an eye rules were were principles of equality, where the punishment would match up with what was done. And so instead, Lamech takes justice into his own hands, and uh, you know they we're told that vengeance belongs to the Lord. And then Cain shows this, or um, Lamech shows this in. in incredible amount of pride, right, because he says that Cain was avenged seven times, Lamech will be avenged 77 times, which, in addition to a crazy amount of pride, also shows that he knew what happened with Cain and still decided that murder was a good idea, right? That's kind of shocking in itself, and, you know, again, since these people live so long, we're not given the ages of Cain's lineage, but it's possible that Lamech knew Cain, um, So, uh, another thing between this seven times and 77 times, and, you know, some translations, it's seven times and 70 times seven, but in Matthew 18, 21 to 22, it says, Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven, right? Which is a vastly different legacy, Right? One of avenging yourself versus one of of forgiving um, which, which you know, forgiving is important. It's an act of trust. It's an act of uh, humility. It's an act of giving something over to God's hands and saying, "I trust you with this. I'm not going to take it into my own hands." It's uh, very much letting go of our own rights. Uh, so forgiving is a very humbling thing to have to do, And that act of humility is obviously lacking. And Lamech. Okay, so verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Sounds a little bitter still, rightfully so. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Okay, now that last line is apparently very difficult to translate about people, this is the time that people began to call on the name of the Lord. Okay, so most English translations make it sound like like this was calling upon the name of the Lord in a good way. And and you think about, well, I mean, Adam and Eve were already calling on the Lord, you know, these other people were calling on the name of the Lord. Is that really what it means? Um, Those... You read commentaries based on that, and they're like, well, this is the beginning of prayer when people started calling on God, and Cain's line was about self-reliance, and, and Seth's line would be calling on God. And that you know, that may be the meaning. Um, the traditional Jewish understanding is that this was when people started profaning the name of the Lord, like started calling other things by the name of the Lord, like idols or other people. And when you see like the name Methusiel, like who is of God, right? that who is of God in a bad way or who is of God in a good way? Don't really know. Um, But we do know that this is certainly a time when the world started falling apart, right, because the the flood came within a few generations. And so at some point in there, and maybe this is it, when you start, you know, pantheism starts taking root and and idol worship and uh, people who stopped acknowledging God as God and... You know, that didn't necessarily start with Cain. Remember, Cain did bring an offering, and we'll get into that a little later. Uh, So, this is where we kind of transition to the spiritual uh, legacy of Cain. And so, we'll focus on those two major issues. So, this is where those those pictures from the beginning come up, right? The lack of humility and the lack of love that reveals itself in kind of this half-hearted following of, of God. And, you know, obviously there's a whole lot more to the legacy of Cain than these things, but this is just one message, so we'll cover what we can cover. Uh, If you flip over to Jude, uh, verses 10 and 11. So, Jude is like that little one-chapter book right before Revelation. It says, These people blaspheme all they do not understand, and they are destroyed all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and and perished in Korah's rebellion. Okay, so Jude here does something interesting and combines Cain, Balaam, and Korah. Okay, so if you were here last week, Brian talked about Balaam and how, you know, Balak was trying to hire him to come curse Israel, and and he kind of said no, but also kind of just wanted to to find a way around it and do it anyway, and um, he wasn't really willing to accept God's will on it. Okay, and then Korah's rebellion. So Korah was a a Levite, and uh, he got a group of 250 other people together, basically came to Moses and said, you know, we don't think you should be in charge because we we want we want your role, right? They basically weren't willing to accept what God had given them, and so they rebelled. And so both of those examples uh, lack humility, and and Cain obviously lacked humility. And there's obviously a whole lot more to to Balaam and Korah's rebellion, but for our purposes this morning, we'll just we'll summarize it that way. Uh, but you know, it was it was people. Who were acknowledging God? All, all, like Cain, Balaam, and Korah, all acknowledged God as God, but they also wanted to do things their own way, right? They also wanted. uh, They also didn't want to accept what God had given them. And remember, Cain was not an atheist, right? Cain was not bringing offerings to the serpent. Uh, Cain. Cain wasn't offering to idols, as Israel so often ended up doing, right? Cain was bringing offerings to God, but yet he was called evil. And, you know, that's an important thing to remember. Cain was not just completely off. He was he was just not following God with his whole heart, and he came to God his own way. Uh, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death, Right? So Cain's way obviously felt right to him. He was pretty offended when God didn't agree. Um, but he was ignoring what God had asked, and, and he was clearly not surrendering himself to God and acknowledging God as God. You know, James 4.10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. And so you know, Cain wasn't willing to lose himself to find God. He wasn't willing to just do whatever God asked of him. Um, you know, Joel talked uh, a few weeks ago about how God is the I am, like God is I am. But we try to say we are, like, or we just try to say, well, I am too. And, you know, that's part of what Cain was doing is like, well, yeah, you're God, but I, what I think matters too, like, well, not compared to God. Um, you know, and one day, we will all be humble before God, right? One day... Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Um, So we're going to get there. It's better if we get there now and humble ourselves um, and accept our complete and utter need for God and dependence on Him. And, you know, so Cain wanted his own effort to be enough, but, you know, let that not be our legacy. Uh, You know, so often when we come before God, we're, we're coming before Him wanting Him to help us with our life, right? Like, yeah, God, come on and help me with this with this issue that I have, and then we get mad when He doesn't come through like we want. Um, but instead, we had a heart, of a, ought to have a heart of coming to Him, you know, with humility and love and, and devotion, and and asking how God can asking for God to use us, not asking for God to to help us with whatever we think we need help with. Not that that's a bad way to, to pray, but just the, the heart of it. Um, you know just to remember that we were created through Jesus for Jesus, right? We were created through God's glory for God's glory. Okay so that's the humility piece. Uh, another part of Cain's spiritual legacy is this lack of love or you know a half-heartedness. First uh, John chapter 3, if you want to flip over, that's another very short book. 1 John 3, and 12 says, that, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. All right, so love was clearly lacking in Cain. That's a pretty obvious in-your-face type application there. You know, don't hold bitterness against people and love each other. You know, but loving each other is something that's commanded over and over and over in Scripture, and it is clearly a really big deal. Right? The, Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it wasn't you know, love God half-heartedly or you know, give God what you want, uh, and it wasn't love your neighbor if they deserve it. You know, it, was, it was a, a call of a full-on self-sacrificial love. And so Cain clearly failed to love people well, right? He also clearly didn't respect, honor, and love God. He didn't fear God. You know, he brought an offering to God, but it sure seems like that offering was brought as more of a way of going through the motions and then being mad when it wasn't enough and wasn't accepted. Um, You know, he ended up just being upset that that God wasn't pleased with his half-hearted effort. And so, you know, if you look at Cain's lack of love, if he, if he loved his brother, he wouldn't have killed him, right? That's obvious. But if he had loved God with all his heart, he wouldn't have brought a half-hearted offering to begin with. Uh, so there's this um, guy named George, Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a uh, clinical psychologist, and he has this two-and-a-half-hour lecture on Cain and Abel, and like go into the psychology of it. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. But one line he says in there about Cain is he says that Cain's going through the motions. He's not very happy about it. That's actually a phrase you could carve into many people's tombstones as an epitaph for their life. Went through the motions, but wasn't very happy about it. Right? And is that us today? Right? Like just going through the motions, not real happy about it. And... You know, it's that kind of this half-hearted following. Like you kind of know you're supposed to, so you just do it. Uh, remember, Cain knew God far more, well, in very different ways than you and I do, right? Like his parents were Adam and Eve. He he talked with God, but he didn't trust God, right? He didn't fear God. He clearly didn't love God with all his heart. And so. You see him just kind of going through the motions, and you kind of see that his heart wasn't really in it. And worship team, you can head up. And so, you know, going through the motions, um, maybe it was always bad, but there's a, there's a version of it of where it's discipline, right? Where, like, there are things that we're called to do out of discipline, even if our heart's not in it, right? We're, it's important that we don't only pray, only read the Bible, only go to church, only do the right things, only not kill people when we feel like it, right? There's a lot of things in life that we're supposed to do whether we really feel like it at the moment or not. Uh, but there, there's, a, but that's very different from a, a heart. heart of going through the motions is very different from a heart of fighting through the valleys, right? And so, you know, going through the motions is more often a mask for not actually caring and not actually loving God or people. And, and you know, as you see this lack of love, and you think, okay, well, is, was His offering worth anything without love? Okay, and, and Johnny and I were talking about this verse a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians thirteen three. If I give away all that I have, right, give away all I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Right, the sacrifice itself didn't matter if his heart wasn't in it, and he, if he wasn't actually devoted to love, to loving God. Okay, so in Cain, you know, we see the first, first person born the natural way, and he shows us some serious dangers of the sin nature that is, that is in each of us. All right, two of those things are a lack of love and lack of humility, and. Again, obviously, there's a whole lot more to it than that, but this is just one message. And so it's important to remember that Cain knew God probably more than you and I, and he knew him in like a conversational way, right? But that knowledge didn't translate into love or devotion. It didn't, the knowledge didn't translate into a heart of surrender or um, humility or, or love for God or others, And you can compare that with jesus right you have cain's lack of humility and love and you have jesus who everything was created through and everything was created for and yet he humbled himself right he humbled himself down to be born in a manger to become a human to begin with uh, to to death on a cross to be to be mocked ridiculed tortured and killed and he did that out of love Right, like That's such a vastly different legacy. And so you and I today are fighting that same sin nature we see in Cain. Right, that's very much a part of who we are, but that's not our legacy as, as followers of Christ. Right, as followers of Christ, our legacy is in Jesus, who, who says that we are now called children of God, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus that, you know, we're now called a new creation. We're now called co-heirs with Christ. And we're now called holy and dearly loved, right? So that, may that be our legacy, is is people who are true, devoted followers of Christ. Uh, So let's pray, and then I'll come back up in a moment uh, for response time. Lord, we just thank you, for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the incredible patience you have for us as we stumble through life and are so often half-hearted in our love for you. And Lord, I ask you would fill us with your Spirit. or help us to see you rightly. Help us to see ourselves and others through your eyes. And help us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today... Is actually the day of Pentecost. Uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. Pentecost stands for fifty, and so it's fifty days after Passover, and uh, it's, it's seven sevens, right? Seven weeks after Passover, and it's uh, it's several things happen on Pentecost, right? One, it's the feast of first fruits, which you might think of with Cain, but when you actually look at the the uh, sacrifice of first fruits. It, as Brian mentioned last week, it is about, uh, it has an animal sacrifice in it. Uh, Pentecost in the Old Testament is is a day also they celebrated God coming down to my, Mount Sinai to give the the Ten Commandments. All right, So that's one thing that happened on Pentecost. In the New Testament, Pentecost is the day that the Holy Spirit came to, to believers and that the Holy Spirit was poured out on us. So it's Cool day, Pentecost is, Uh, and that Holy Spirit, and and that Word, and the Law, and like you know, Psalm one nineteen especially talks about David just loving the Law of God. And that that could sound funny, but when you really love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, um, we love everything about Him. And so you know, we become new creations, and, and we're able to be transformed. That transformation comes through the Word and Spirit. So, uh, just be aware of that it's Pentecost today. So happy Pentecost! Uh, you know, so this is this is response time, and and there's four four main things we do at response time. One is worship, and so I would invite us all to to take a step back and truly worship God. Right? Like we were saved from this legacy of Cain. Right? That's that's who we're really born to be. But Jesus came and made us a new creation. And so you know, that's worth worth worshiping God for and just worship Him for who He is. Um, it's a time of uh, joyful giving, right? We have the offering. Offering is not something to do just going through the motions. It's, it's, it's very much an act of trust and love and, and putting that trust into practice. Uh, as we take communion today, right, Please don't take communion just going through the motions and just mindlessly take it. Communion is a big deal. It's, it's a powerful thing, right? We're, we're remembering what Jesus did, remembering that we needed him to do it. And, and as we take communion today, let's remember that symbolizes his broken body and blood that he spilled for us, right? Jesus did not love you half-heartedly. We so often love Him half-heartedly, but He gave it all for us. And finally, let's, it's a time to pray together, right? Uh, a lot of times, not a lot of people come over for prayer. Uh, I'll be over there, Viola's over there, there's other people throughout the room. Uh, but I think if we're honest, we've all either, we can all either say we've been going through the motions at some point, right, there's, there's areas that we can seek God more. And if we don't think that, then we're probably struggling with humility, too. Um, but let's encounter God this morning, right? Like, let's, let's come together and pray together. There's something powerful about praying with people. Uh, so let's come before God and seek Him this morning, and let's encounter God together. And uh, let's pray once again and continue to worship. Lord, thank you that, that you have saved us, that you made the way where there was no way. Thank you that you, didn't, you don't love us half-heartedly. And Lord, forgive us for the times that we do love you half-heartedly or, or just go through the motions. Help us to truly seek you with all of our heart and, and to love you with all that we have. That's in Jesus' name, amen.